Hey there everyone, I'm Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice and in today's episode we're going to be discussing the Blood Hunters. They're essentially the monsters who hunt monsters. These masters of Hemocraft sacrifice themselves to banish evil from this world. Matt Mercer of Critical Role fame added these resolute warriors to D&D 5e and they're now just shy of an official class. These homebrew champions are finding their way into countless adventures and it's pretty easy to see why. And if you'd like to learn more, lucky you, that's what this video is all about. Let's get right into it with their ability scores. Bloodhunters are mostly a martial class, and while you'll want a high intelligence score to make the most of their abilities, you'll also need to keep a primary damage score pretty high, either strength or dexterity, and you need to keep a high constitution score even more than most other martial classes. Bloodhunters are quasi-fighters and can take fighting styles just like fighters can. So if you plan on making use of archery or two-weapon fighting, make dexterity your highest ability score, and if you plan on making use of dueling style or a great weapon fighting, make strength your highest ability score. While the official text recommends making intelligence your next highest score, honestly, I would say you're going to need way more hit points before you would need a bump to your save DC. Bloodhunters are going to take just as many hits as other martial classes, and you'll need to sacrifice your hit points in order to get a lot of your abilities working. More on that later. Make Constitution your second highest ability score, and then finally make Intelligence your third highest ability score. This is obviously a lot to spread around. Unlike many classes that have a primary score and a secondary score, Bloodhunters basically have three ability scores that they care a whole lot about. My advice is to try and get those three scores up to 16 as early as possible, and the other three, Wisdom, Charisma, and whichever you didn't choose as your attack roll stat, need to be truly just dump stats. Bloodhunters are really starved for ability points, so your best choices are going to be those that give you an extra bonus or two. Normally I would recommend just playing whatever you want, and in some ways I still do, but Bloodhunters really hurt without those extra ability bonuses. The Elemental Born Genasi all come ready with a plus two to constitution bonus, and three of their four elemental types come with a handy plus one and another vital Bloodhunter stat. Plus one to Dexterity if you're an Air Genasi, Strength if you're an Earth Genasi, and Intelligence if you're a Fire Genasi. I myself have a personal bias towards the Fire Genasi, but any of them would work wonders. Each one comes with a few bonus features, and you can pick whichever elemental flavor you like best for your character. Halflings gain a plus two bonus to Dexterity, which is huge, and if you choose a Stout Halfling, you gain a vital point of Constitution. It also can't be understated just how amazingly good the Halfling Lucky ability is, assuming your table actually allows for that to be legal. And mind you, you do lose a little bit of mobility by choosing this race, but I still can't recommend it highly enough. And finally, we have the base human, not the variant, mind you. This gives you plus one to every stat, and this means at first level you can basically use point by to min-max all of your constitution, intelligence, and strength or dexterity out at 16, and just put nine in everything else. This fits in perfectly with the Blood Hunter role. Starting off with Hunter's Bane, your spellcasting, I found it odd that they wrapped up the spellcasting ability with a completely unrelated ability, but here it is. The first half of the Hunter's Bane gives you advantage on wisdom, survival checks, and intelligence checks made to track down the identity of fey, fiends, or the undead. In some campaigns, this is completely useless, while in others, it's a godsend. This is one of those occasions where you should definitely discuss the campaign with your DM a little bit. Next up, we have Blood Maledict, or your actual spells. You get fewer spells than even a warlock gets, but at least they usually only use a bonus action or a reaction. Bloodhunters have their own special spells called Blood Curses, but your selection is, to put it lightly, limited. 
You start with one and gain a new one at levels 6, 10, 14, and 18, and they're all pretty good, but since they're mostly bonus actions and reactions, you won't even need to forego attacks for them. The big gimmick with your blood curses is that you can choose to amplify them by sacrificing hit points equal to a roll of your Hemocraft die. The amplified versions are obviously better versions of these same spells, and since you get to cast so few of them, you're always encouraged to amplify them. For the most part, if you can amplify a blood curse, you absolutely should, at least tactically speaking. It's only when you're really hurting on those last few hit points that you might want to reconsider. In terms of fighting style, you gain a fighting style just like a fighter does, and in a lot of ways you can think of Bloodhunters as fighters with extra damage and spells instead of bonus ability score increases. Grab your chosen style and play it like a fighter for the most part. With Crimson Rite, you essentially cut your hand on your weapon and imbue it with your choice of lightning, fire, or cold damage, and some other types at higher levels. You sacrifice hit points equal to your Hemocraft die, but until your next rest, you get to deal damage equal to your Hemocraft die with every hit. It only costs you a bonus action to use, and it lasts until the next rest, so you should pretty much always have it active if you can. It's important to note that you only get this type of damage initially, and that this can't be changed for each battle. You basically get this one for free whenever you smack something using your Crimson Right ability. You brand the target with a mark that lets you know what direction they're heading. This is extremely useful for annoying invisible enemies, as you can imagine. Whenever your branded target hits you or friend right next to you, you take psychic damage equal to your intelligence modifier. It's not a lot of damage, but it's practically free, so try not to forget about it. With Grim Psychometry, once you get to 9th level, you basically have the power to grab a lot of plot-relevant items and ask the DM for a hint. It technically gives you just an advantage on intelligence or history checks on the item, but the way it's phrased leans hard into the give him a hint kind of angle. Try using this on an item when the party is stuck or maybe they've run out of clues. It's also a pretty good way to kind of get a session moving along if you can feel a little bit of gridlock starting to occur. With Dark Augmentation at level 10, you basically just get some straight-up buffs. Your movement speed goes up by 5 feet, and you get to add your intelligence bonus to your physical saving throws, strength, dexterity, and constitution. If you've been keeping your three relevant scores high, this will make your reflex saves nearly as good as rogues, and your other saves better than barbarians even. At third level, Bloodhunters get to choose their class archetype, or Bloodhunter Order, as it were. You essentially get to choose from extra blood curses and ghost walking, werewolf mode, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or even a half-warlock. Order of the Ghost Slayer is themed around exorcists and ghost hunting, and you get some pretty cool ghost-themed powers and extra abilities against the undead. You gain a special Crimson Rite that deals radiant damage and literal double damage against undead creatures. You also gain an extra use of your blood curses, basically an extra spell for every short rest, which is pretty great considering how few you get in the first place. At 7th level, you get an extremely strong Ethereal Step ability that will let you walk right through walls or even a few rounds. This order kind of falls off damage-wise unless you're frequently fighting the undead. However, if you plan on focusing on the blood curses in your campaign, this order is essentially a prerequisite. That bonus curse doubles your spell output in early levels, and that's kind of unbeatable. In terms of flavor, this order just lets you turn into a werewolf, while gameplay-wise, this order shifts your playstyle somewhat closer to a barbarian. When you line everything up, bonus to attacks, resistance to physical damage, turning into a werewolf functions a whole lot like going into barbarian rage. 
if you're going for a strength build and want to be a party tank essentially, I highly recommend going for this order. That resistance in combat will let you save your hit points for blood curses and rites. Just be aware that it's quite unlikely that townsfolk will take kindly to your type and anticipate that some conflicts will arise. That's kind of the whole central plot of just about every werewolf movie, after all. Extremely reminiscent of the mutagens from the Alchemist class in Pathfinder, which I highly suspect Matt Mercer borrowed from at least a little bit, is extensively varied. You learn a handful of different mutagen formulas and you get to mix one up every short rest, once you hit 7th level that is. Each mutagen gives you a huge boost at the cost of nerfing something else, like gaining 3 dexterity while in exchange for a disadvantage on your wisdom and saving throws. I personally love this order just because it gives you a lot of things to play around with, and a lot of the negatives are easily mitigated. Order of the Profane Soul is honestly kind of strange to me, since it almost exactly makes you a half warlock in every sense of the term. You gain half as many warlock spells at half the rate, and all of your bonus abilities are tied to your choice of warlock patron. The appeal here is that while you gain a good chunk of warlock abilities, you still have the hit points and survivability of a blood hunter. Think of this option as basically just a blood hunter with Eldritch Blast. When it comes to choosing feats for your blood hunter, I'm almost tempted to say that you should choose none of them, because your ability scores are far more important. But for the sake of discussion, I do think that there is one feat that sticks out among the rest, and that is Crossbow Expert. Crimson Rites deal extra damage with every hit from the same weapon. Using a crossbow and getting multiple shots off can really start to stack the damage. With this feat and your extra attack at 5th level, you'll be able to dish out 3 shots every turn, each one packing a bonus d6 of Crimson Rite damage. That's potentially 6d6 every round. I was really excited to do this video, mainly because I think the Blood Hunters represent what the homebrew community is fully capable of bringing to the table the proverbial one and the literal game table as well. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching, I truly appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this every week, and if you're creating a Blood Hunter character that you're proud of, I would love to hear about it down in the comments. Thanks again for watching, my name's Patrick Ferguson, and until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.